Ho, ho, ho. We're the Annoyed Grunt Boys, and you're listening to the festive 138th Simpsons podcast. Rising funzos in my sack makes me happy, makes me hurt my back. That's right. It's the Simpsons podcast where we talk about Simpsons episodes from seasons 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond? Well, we feel that the other Simpsons podcasts out there have already covered the golden age from seasons one through 10. So we're here to go at random and find if there's any gems of episodes of the Simpsons like there are in the golden years. But this is a particularly special episode because it's Christmas time here while we record this. So we're going to be doing a Christmas episode. That's right. It's all festive here. We'll be you logging it up on this episode. I am half a ho-ho annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And with me as always is your other ho-ho annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Craig, a happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you too, sir. So let's just get on with it. Um, this is our first Christmas episode, so let's talk about our upbringings. So yeah, I celebrated Christmas. As did I. And how about, do you have any fun holiday traditions? Um, let's see. So we would always, on Christmas Eve, we would, uh, so we'd have like no presents under the tree yet, except for like from aunts and uncles. And then we would uh, always have oyster stew the night of Christmas Eve, which is gross. As I've said before, I don't like milky, fishy stew. Um, so my mom would always make me cream of mushroom soup because um, that's perfectly fine. We were supposed to go to bed directly after that, <laughs> in which Santa Claus or my parents whoa, whoa, would uh, put Santa Claus yeah. exists, Steve. There might be some kids that listen to this podcast. And if there I is... didn't say they didn't, my oh, parents wow. would work in conjunction with Santa Claus. Okay, good. To put the uh, presents under the tree. But as we got older, and, and then we'd have to go to bed, and uh, usually we'd wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. I was usually the first one up because I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. And then we'd open up presents, and it'd always go youngest to oldest. And so I'd always open up presents first. Then we'd have breakfast, take a nap, and then we'd have a light dinner. And that was usually our Christmas day. As we got older, though, we kind of stopped doing the uh, waiting until 5 a.m., and we'd wait until midnight. And then we'd just power through the night. And because there were so many people in our family... And we tended to buy too many presents. And we also open presents one at a time. A Christmas present opening is like a five to six hour affair. <laughs> um, we, so, yeah, that's pretty much our Christmas. We did similar things. Instead of the oyster stew, it was always clam chowder and like a, a deli sandwich. Or like, a, you know, like a roast beef sandwich. Mm-hmm. With sense. Is that weird? I know other people that do like a clam chowder like on Christmas Eve. Is that a, is that I guess that's a tradition? tradition. Uh, yeah. All right. So as kids, too. Yeah. So we had the. We always like got my grandma and she came over and we we did that and I always wanted to open up a present on Christmas Eve. I know that's a tradition. It's like you'd open one Christmas present. We mm-hmm. ne- we never got to. That was not allowed. Yeah. Um, but again, I was the youngest, so I did wake up first, and I was the one running into my sister's and then my parents' bedroom. Like, let's get up. Let's go. It's Christmas. Let's open presents. We always had presents. Unlike you, you said you, you didn't put the presents out um, until Christmas Eve, or they didn't put them out until Christmas Eve. The mm-hmm. presents were always there, so it was always just like, oh, that's you, frustrating. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we You'd had like that. shake the box and try and guess. Oh yeah. Oh, my sister yeah. and I were. Uh, we did horrible. I, by the time I was like ten years old, I knew exactly what everything was because my sister was really <laughs> good at unwrapping and rewrapping things. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so then it always became like, oh sweet, I always wanted these socks. <laughs> <laughs> but there was always the Santa gift, mm-hmm. and I 
I always re- remember the time I really Santa wasn't real, and it was last year. Um, no, <laughs> no, but uh, the Santa gift, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how old I was. I was probably, what's the age you're supposed to say that you don't believe in Santa, Steve, so I don't sound like an idiot? <laughs> um, 17, 18 now. Yeah, sure. I was, so I was 27, and uh, <laughs> I already made this joke. But no, I remember like snooping around, finding the Christmas presents, and my parents hit oh, the spots, yeah. and I found the thing like I wanted. I was like, ah, sweet. And of course that was a Santa gift. But even at that time I knew Santa wasn't real. So, yeah. but it was like, uh, there was always like that one gift that wasn't there. And it was the Santa gift. It was always on the fireplace. Cause Santa, right, it's kind of the big yeah, one. Yeah, Santa never put it under the tree. He put it on the, the mantle. And mm-hmm. um, so there was always that tradition. And I think as a kid too, I always left out the milk and cookies and shit like that. Oh yeah. I did that too. Um, But uh, what you were saying was with, opening uh, or like five with one person at a time and we do the same exact thing i think it's better that way it definitely is because you prolong the entire you know and you appreciate the gifts that you're giving more because it like you would take time to thank the person who got them for you that's what you and like you acknowledge it so you're not just like an asshole opening up like where's my stuff that that's what i always hate about a christmas story well, one of the things I hated oh. about a Christmas story is like at the end, like the kids, they all just open presents at the same time, right? If I remember mm-hmm. the movie correctly, I mean, it's all the fucking time during the holidays, and I always yeah not watch it, but it's not good. It really was. It was reviewed not, but it was poorly. But anyways, uh, we'll talk about movies in a bit. But uh, so yeah, that was the kind of the tradition. And then my dad was a great teaser, so he would always say like during the holidays, and that's kind of where I get my humor too is from him. Is if, mm-hmm. if I had kids, I would do the same thing. Is he would say, well, you know, well. I really feel we should wait till the aunts and uncles come over. Then you should open presents. Oh. So like, not till they come over at four o'clock in the afternoon for dinner. Right. Like, yeah. Wait till then, because I think they want to watch you open presents. Which they, <laughs> of course, they wouldn't want to do that at all. But I'd be like, no, I want to open in the morning. <laughs> and then he would do things like he's like, well, I wake him up and he'd be like, uh, oh, I gotta go take a dump in the in the bathroom. So it's gonna be a forty five minutes while I read the newspaper in there. So you gotta wait till then. And I'd be like, no, just. Pooping. Just hold it in. So it's like pooping flush. Come on. You don't need to be in there <laughs> reading the newspaper because you know, father was notorious for being in the bathroom for a while. And, uh, you know, it'd be things like that. And he'd even say like, oh, well, let's uh, let's eat breakfast first. Then over. Oh, that was always a big joke in our house. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, maybe we should just have breakfast first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, later on, he told us, like, oh, no. Because as a parent, that's it's the joy of seeing your kids open those presents. Because parents yeah. are also equally as excited, and that, that's yeah. what I feel too is like gift giving. It's like I'm more excited to see someone open the gift than I am to open a gift. Absolutely. Uh, one weird tradition that kind of relates to that that I remember that my parents had is my dad would always buy my mom lingerie <laughs> and model it for you guys. Wouldn't, but it was always <laughs> weird. Like, do we have to like, <laughs> like, like? Oh, cool! I got I got Castle Gray School. <laughs> Oh, cool. Mom uh, got a teddy. Exactly. <laughs> Dad's going to fuck her later where she's wearing that. Yeah, that's weird. What are you guys doing? You can do that later. Like, why do you have to make it a show? I think that might have happened one or two times, too. Like, when I was, like, very little, I just remember, like, why? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's a tip. Don't, uh, if you're, you're a parent and you got kids, don't don't give your significant other sexy undergarments in front of your kids. Yeah, just let them... Give it to them the night before and let them just come down with it already on. Right. <laughs> okay. But yeah, those are my traditions. Um, nice. Did, did you have any uh, movies or TV shows you watched during the holidays? Well, you mentioned uh, Christmas Story. Uh, because my dad was born in 19 diggity 2, 
He related to that um, movie a lot. Because he was the same age as the father in that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we were uh, stuck with watching that a lot. We watched it. I mean, because TBS just puts it on 24-7. But, right. I mean, I grew up with that and enjoyed watching it as a kid. But as an adult now, I'm like, I don't know if I can watch it. It's Yeah. So personally, my favorite Christmas movie, and I think you can guess it, is Gremlins. I was going to say Home Alone 3. <laughs> the one with the girl. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. The one without anybody from the Home Alone 102. Right. Um, but we, as a household now, uh, Elf is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Home Alone yep. is also... Those are like the two big ones. Yeah. And also, for me personally, also, of course... Gremlins. National Lampoons and Gremlins. But National Lampoons is a big one, too. I Yeah, I think the older I get... The less of the movies I watch, yeah, um, or TV shows, it's just I've seen them, and I I really don't start watching things because there's too many TV shows that are currently on things like I need to like, catch up on. Where I don't get to those holiday movies as soon as I usually do. But Christmas Vacation is definitely up there. Uh, Gremlins and uh, yeah, Home Alone, like you said. Yeah, I think we do the same thing. Uh, but I have other traditions um, with when you have a, a partner too, so they bring their traditions. Mm-hmm. In. One of them is uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. But we specifically oh, classic, to, yeah. We specifically have to watch the VHS tape of it because it includes the sad song, which apparently they edited out on like DVD huh. and Blu-ray. You can only watch it on VHS. Uh, but Disney Plus has Muppet Christmas Carol. And if you go in the extras, it has the song that's cut out. So you can still technically watch it on Disney Plus, but not in order the way it was presented. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about busting out a beat, a VCR. Yeah. And, uh, and playing it. That's really, that's really beautiful. So we do, yeah, because we have in our den where we never hang out in, we do have a VCR down there. And we do have like sometimes just old school in it up and just VHS party in it up. It's very cool. It sounds like a millennial thing, doesn't it? It does, but it's a millennial thing I want to be a part of. All right. We should have a VHS party. Yeah. All right. We'll think about that. We can watch the classics from, yeah. from 1999 and below, I guess. We can watch everybody's favorite Christmas movie, Go. Uh, is it a Christmas movie? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. But when it comes to Simpsons Christmas, um, this episode we're going to be reviewing does have Christmas elements into it. But I still think roasting on, on an open fire is I, I actually have to watch that every year. That's that's a go to for me. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, that and although it's like kind of a bummer at first, but it gets uh, it gets sweeter at the end. Uh, Bar- March Be Not Proud is also that's another classic. Yeah. And that I could also put that up there with like. One of the best episodes ever, like top ten at least, maybe. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with that. I mean, it's so it's an episode uh, so heart wrenching and just Marge the way that she reacts to it. Yeah, it it's an episode too that you don't have to watch during Christmas. You can watch any time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Get him, ma! I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I just love the scene with with Bart holding up the science that I stink. I remember saying that. We're saying. <laughs> That's a great Capiche? <laughs> Catfish? Do you understand? <laughs> Do you understand what I said? Um, everything up to Capiche. And that was, uh, yeah. uh, what's the actor's name? Lawrence Turney? Yeah. Notoriously Turney. Uh, difficult to work with. Legit, mm-hmm. like the character he plays in, in uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Yep. And oh, Elaine okay. Bennis' dad. Yeah. And he was meant to be reoccurring, but they found him so difficult Oof. to work with that he was only <laughs> on that episode. Kind of a Susan situation. Well, she wanted to be part of the main cast. Right. She wanted and to be that's the fifth... killed her off. Yeah, she wanted to be the fifth Beatle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, this isn't about Seinfeld. 
It's about the Simpsons. It's about Christmas. Not a Seinfeld cat. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, we're here. (laughs) We're here talking. That's fine. We're here talking about uh, the the grift of the Magi. Steve, this episode is going to be dropping on Thursday, December 19th, 2019. Mm -hmm. Steve, this episode originally aired December 19th, 1999. So this episode is dropping on the 20th anniversary Wow. Steve, this episode is 20 years old. That's crazy. Also, <laughs> uh, it is the last Simpsons episode of the 90s, and subsequently, the last episode of the 20th century. This episode is very monumental. That also being that this is the last episode of the 138th Simpsons podcast. It's been a pleasure, guys. <laughs> We're going away. Merry Christmas. That's right. Uh, for this week, I've been half a host. Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. Smell you never. Steve, we can't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So this is kind of a fun anniversary then, I guess, right? We're yeah, both, it is. We're both in high school and uh, looking forward to a future of podcasting like we thought of in high school 20 years ago. That's right. 20 years ago. <sighs> All right. Well, Oof. besides that, uh, Steve, do you know what the number one movie of this weekend in 1999 hmm. was. I don't know, Craig. What was it? It was Stuart Little. Ah, uh, yes. The family fantasy comedy with Michael J. Fox, Gina F. Davis, and Hugh Laurie. Steve, do you know that the... Uh, it's it's funny looking at this right now, but uh, the number three movie was Toy Story 2, which we had <laughs> Toy Story 2, Toy Story 4 just this last summer. So these things are, you know... Things don't change. Um, number seven was The World Is Not Enough, which was a James Bond movie. And the new James Bond trailer just dropped. So I don't think wow. anything ever goes away. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Like, let's just look at the music. Our number one song was uh, Smooth by Santana, featuring Rob Thomas. And Santana and Rob Thomas live on to this very day. And if you said this I know that the song was very much overplayed in the 90s and 2000s, but mm-hmm. I still think that Santana guitar riff is very catchy. I think it's... Yeah, like, when Rob Thomas is the one that throws me off. I watched that video, and like now I'm like, he looks like he should be like on Ghost Adventures or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this whole album was like, Santana was trying to be cool, but I just want to tell Carlos, like, hey man... You're already cool. You don't need to Rob be Tom. with yeah. Rob Thomas to, like, everything that you've done is great. And so you don't need to, like, team up with these, like, shot in the dark or flash in the pan nobodies. This be yeah. you, Carlos. We love you. It's, but I think this is a, I don't know. I, I actually like this song. I'm sorry if it's, is it okay to like it? It's okay. I mean, it makes me laugh. Like, this, uh. Uh, make it real. Oh, that's for being Yeah, no, it's Carlos Santana, like the the riff. Oh, yeah, it's good. Um, all right, well, Steve, let's let's get into the Christmas spirit and uh, talk about this week's episode, the grift 
of a magi, Steve. A sinister toy company unveils Funzo, the next Tickle Me Elmo-style fad, to Springfield's Christmas shoppers. The toy is a huge success, in part because it pro- is programmed to destroy other toys. Steve, where did you read that uh, synopsis from? Uh, that would be from the Simpsons Wiki. I think that needs to be updated because they put the new Tickle Me Elmo. It should be. <laughs> it's not supposed to be the Tickle Me Elmo. It's supposed to be the new Furby. Which, of course, was a response to the yeah. Tickle Me Elmo. I don't know. This is I'm true. I'm saying, Wiki, get your, get your shit into order, man. Wiki, you so wacky. All right. Well, Steve, let's take a break and put our elf costumes and our Santa costumes and eat some cookies and milk and uh, talk about this episode. Sounds delightful. All right. Well, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Today we are talking about The Grift of the Magi, the ninth episode of the 11th season. It originally aired on December 19th, 1999. It was both the last episode of the decade and of the century. So this is the last episode of the 20th century. It is number 235 in the show's run. Your nerd code is BABFO7. It was written by Tom Martin and directed by Matthew Nastuck. So we've already reviewed an episode of The Simpsons written by Mr. Tom Martin, and that was Pokemon. Pokemon. Yep. Uh, that was the one with Marge befriending a prison inmate played by a one Batman, Michael Keaton. Puma Pride. Yep. Tom Martin's only written three episodes of The Simpsons. This is the second one he wrote and the first one was sunday cruddy sunday and i was talking to you off pod that i'm like mm-hmm. hmm, what season is this from and it was season 10 but he also wrote it with george meyer brian scully and mike scully but oh, wow. i figured that's the uh it could have been the martin trilogy yeah and not the character from the simpsons martin or the <laughs> tv show with martin lords right or the steve martin trilogy of uh the jerk jerk two pink panther <laughs> yeah pink panther two no there was the jerk there was a jerk two and then there was Supposed to be a jerk TV show. Wait, I don't know. If... I'm sorry if I'm an idiot or if I'm not giving the joke. Is there a jerk too? I think there was. Wow. Or there was going to be. Okay, the jerk had a television sequel called The Jerk Two, starring Mark Blankfield as Navin and co-starring uh, oh, Stacey wow. Nelkin. Um, it was produced but not written by Steve Martin. So, like, as in produced was. Hey, can we do the jerk too? And just <laughs> here's money. Yeah, I have never seen this. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, it's just uh, the plot was Navin Johnson sets out to attend the wedding of Marie, his pen pal in California, but runs into a gang of hobos led by a schemer named Diesel. Diesel discovers Navin's skills at uh, playing poker and takes Navin to Las Vegas where they went enough to travel to L.A. in style. How do we find this and how do we? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I knew about this. I just never, never seen it. Wow, uh, that the, sounds interesting. Looking at the cast list, I'm not. <laughs> there's a an actor named William Smith as Suicide. So this was uh, <laughs> this must have been Will Smith before he dropped the William. Yeah, yeah. I I doubt this is a made for TV movie. It, uh, Universal and NBC. I'm wondering if with the new NBC Universal streaming app, where they're going to the put Peacock, all their, the Peacock, will they uh, release this on their streaming app? I will definitely attempt to watch it if they take. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I would love to watch that. I mean, it's probably god awful, but oh yeah, but still, All right, just well, for the nerdiness' sake. Anyway, sorry to <laughs> go off off pod there. Yeah, well, you blew my mind. Yeah, well, The Jerk is like probably one of the top five of my favorite comedies of all time. Sure, it's maybe hilarious. top top three. Yeah. All right. Okay. How did we get well, to The Jerk? By the way, uh, we were talking about Tom Martin, and then how we there was the Martin trilogy, not to be confused with Martin <laughs> Prince, and oh, then okay. not to be confused with <laughs> Martin the TV show, and not to be confused with Steve Martin's trilogy. Of the Jerk, the Jerk 2, and Pink Panther. <laughs> and Father Bride and Father Bride Part 2. Yeah, exactly. When's he going to make Father of Bride Part 3? When he becomes a great-grandfather? Yeah. It should be Grandfather of the Bride. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe his daughter died. And, <laughs> Hilarious. And uh, he has to... No, wait. Her, her husband died, and he has to walk his granddaughter down the aisle. Okay. That makes sense. And he has to do it while playing a banjo for some reason. <laughs> because that's in his contract. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's get on with this episode, Steve. All righty. <laughs> um, our chalkboard gag be, uh, says, I will not sell my kidney on eBay. eBay being a new site at the time. I know. Pretty uh, timely for The Simpsons, right? It's true. What was the first thing you ever purchased on eBay? Do you remember? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. I... I do know that I'm bidding right now <laughs> on a Christmas gift for somebody um but it's not going well oh what are you getting me oh uh yeah you yeah that's what i assumed right because you're the only person in my life i uh, know a friend of the show michael who doesn't really listen i am looking to get him a technodrome oh from the prepubescent amphibious martial arts tortoises or whatever exactly but i don't want to spend too much money on it because uh, I can't get it new in the box. It's going to be used. Oh, yeah. I always wanted that, too, as a kid. But, you know, again, it was too expensive then. It was probably, like, $100 back then. Actually, I went on a deep dive for no apparent reason. And I will get to the episode eventually, listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I looked through. I found this archive of old uh, Sears wish list catalogs. <sighs> the best. They were so good. It was so satisfying. Um $60. For what year was that? Uh, 1991. Because I had to scroll through. I started at 89, and I went all the way through 92. I had to like look through like all 600 pages of each catalog. Stop at the lingerie for no apparent reason. <laughs> that, that was our internet of the day. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then like be like, oh, G.I. Joe's. I had that one, had that one. I always wanted that <laughs> one. And then I went to the Ninja ad that I didn't care as much about. And then, yeah. So, it's a fun you time. You said it was $61 in the Sears catalog? Yeah. So adjusting the inflation, that'll cost about 114 bucks. Sounds about right. Yep. So don't go over 114, Steve. No, I I really want to keep it under three digits. But... Under three, yeah, under under a C note. Yeah, I was bidding on one, and it got to about 85, and then I was like, eh, it's yeah. getting a little hot. So well, I always wanted the next generation bridge set, and I never oh, got yes. that one. Sometimes I'll go on eBay and just type in like next generation bridge set and see. You know, if there's anything there and usually too expensive too. I'm like, I don't need it. It's just my childhood needs it. You know? You're right. I, totally I have all my, my Star Trek Next Generation characters, but and I just like to have them sitting in their chairs <laughs> negotiating diplomatic things. But what a great action figure line, you know, Star Trek, right? Because that's all they mm -hmm. did was sit and watch TV. <laughs> That's why Star Trek's one of the best shows ever. That's all they did. It's relatable. <laughs> they just sat in front of a screen and debated shit. Basically, like, what do you want to watch? Exactly. But bringing back to my first eBay purchase was when 
I first moved out of my parents' house and had a job, and I had a roommate named Steve, so it was you. Oh, yeah. And me. I don't know if you remember my first eBay, eBay purchase was when we were planning on moving out and mm-hmm. deciding how to decorate our apartment. I said, oh, I want to find yeah. a Henry Winkler clock. <laughs> A Fonz. I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. So I went on eBay and typed in like the Fonz clock, and we found <laughs> an Arthur Fonzarelli clock. I'm like, oh, sweet. And it was only like 15 bucks. I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> and there, do you remember this clock? Vaguely. Okay, so when we got the clock, it was literally just a printout loose leaf piece of, of paper yeah. with like really crappy, like it had like the lines from like an old printer of just them and like, <laughs> and then just like put it into the clock. Like it was literally a piece of paper of a picture of the Fonz. In yeah. like a, a clock. <laughs> I think we displayed it and I probably just threw it away because it was literally crap. Yeah. I, I really think the best best thing about our apartment was our using the Rockford Files theme on our answering machine. Uh, this is back but... when answering machines, kids, if you don't know, it was a tape, <laughs> a, a, a cassette tape, and we had to record so people could talk. It was a landline. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, uh, those were the days. <laughs> and Rockford Files was like... The Flintstones, if they were detectives. Um, should we just play the Rockford theme for? Uh... I think so. All right, um, let's uh, let's play that. Alrighty, our couch gag is uh, the Simpsons family uh, sliding down a firefighter pole to the couch with Homer getting his big fat ass stuck in the ceiling. Our episode opens with news anchor Kent Brockman reporting that the ozone hole that devastated Brazil the previous summer is wintering in Springfield. This results in the unseasonable warmth and residents should stay inside unless they are wearing sunscreen or are... uh, Robin Williams level Harry. Steve, did you know Robin Williams is dead? What? Hate to break it to you. But they're still making Jumanji <laughs> movies. Uh, we then see uh, Milhouse being chased by a determined sunbeam. And then uh, Lisa lets him in, and we get a fun perspective of his sun-damaged vision, which I think gets cut out in syndication because I don't remember that really. Yeah, we're watching this on the Disney+. Plus. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember that either. Yeah, so that's cool. Syndication could be a real B word. Yeah, blockading <laughs> your viewing of the show right quarantined to home bart lisa and millhouse find themselves incredibly bored lisa offers up some board games to quell the monotony i am so bored oh i can't wait till we're teenagers then we'll be happy well we could play clam traffic jam or the game of county seats Ah, the zoning disc is warped all right silly string Look, you're Millhouse. Who wets their bed now, Millhouse? <laughs> the boys then head to Homer and Marge's closet, where they decide to dress like ladies. Want to dress up like ladies? Uh, wouldn't that make us kind of fruity? What's the matter? Scared you might like it? I'll show you who's scared. Oh, wow. This really hides my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Sisters are doing it for themselves! Hey, why is this door locked? Oh no, it's Dad! Whoa! So, a little uh, 
kind of cringy line there from Bart, in my opinion, when he says, "Want well, to make us a little fruity?" Now, I understand. Yeah, in 1999. That is, I, I, I can't say if it was acceptable, but it's like, okay, that was. You know, we've talked about this before on, on this podcast about lines that just don't work in this modern day, and mm-hmm. when Bart, with his, you know, using that term, and then following with Homer coming in, just kind of. Right. Makes it worse with this one. What's going on? And I want a non-gay explanation. Uh, we're drunk. Really drunk. Oh, thank God. Now, the thing with that is, listen to it at first, you're like, ooh, that doesn't hold well. But it fits in with Homer's, his narrow-mindedness at that time. Sure. Because, and the writers knew this. And in, in 1999, like, there's still a lot, like, gay rights and, like, that kind of, like, mentality. It was starting to... That was the beginning of like, hey, stop making this like it's a disease or or scary. Yeah, the tide was turning. Yeah, and so I think the writers, what they did was like, yeah, Homer's a dumb oaf. And he would think that being drunk is, you know, way, way, yeah, being gay, gay, which shows his arrogance with that. And so I'm fine with that joke now. Yeah. Thinking about it. I get it. Looking at it, it's like, when he's like, I hope you're not doing the gay stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is his his narrow-minded view and you know even though he grew the john episode three seasons before he's still not exactly where maybe well he might be actually where society is at that point in time but maybe not where they should be so it is a good example and you know i gotta say good on bart and millhouse in a way for just kind of experimenting and just hanging out like buds in dresses, you know. Also good on Marge, or maybe Homer, for having such a nice array of wigs. <laughs> that is odd. Never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Why did you think... Like, I don't know anybody aside from you, Craig, who has multiple wigs <laughs> in their closet. Well, they come out of the closet every once in a while. Sure they do. Nice to see that we've moved on from <laughs> such <laughs> simple base jokes. Steve, I was drunk. Oh, then it's fine. <laughs> Uh, and when am I not drunk? This All is right. true. Well, as Homer tries to get into the bedroom, he falls butt first onto a bowling ball. Um, and then we said the children did lie that, uh, that they were drunk. But it seems that Bart needs some medical attention. Hmm. At Springfield General Hospital, Dr. Hibbert is defibrillating Bart's ass, as it's good for the batteries. Uh, he then announces that Bart has broken his coccyx, much to the laughter of his family. <laughs> I'm sorry. How long will he take to recover? You'll have to wear this fanny cast for quite some time. But don't worry, son. It fits snugly under your clothes. Do all these people have to watch me? Now, son, this is a teaching hospital, which is why I equipped the seat of your cast with a viewing window. Uh, There's a clip in there where they're like, the nurses are chattering, and it says, the male nurse is like, oh, he should exercise more. And that, to me, is like one of the funniest lines. Just like being a nurse, looking at the ass of a 10-year-old boy, <laughs> and not being like, oh, that's an interesting medical procedure, or, oh, I, it's weird that I'm looking at a little boy's ass, but no, he's kind of got a fat ass and he should work out. I love it when they make fun of Bart's weight. I mean, I'm not here to, to fat shame, of course. No. But, you know, every time they call him a little pudgy boy, because, you know, as a kid's watching the show when we were kids, like, I never assumed Bart was fat i just like that's the character drawn that's how the simpsons people look they have the little bellies Mm -hmm. um i do like when lisa laughs at an immature joke when they said coccyx and everyone laughed Uh including lisa and And marge so it shows that yeah they could be immature as well i mean (laughs) it's a a funny funny word. word exactly 
Um, we then cut to Springfield Elementary, where a wheelchair-bound bard finds that a school has no access ramps for the disabled. Uh, Lisa then comes up to Principal Will Skippiner and says uh, about this, and he mentions that it would the cost would be astronomical, and everyone's favorite mob boss, Fit Tony, I mean Fat Tony, oh. <laughs> appears to let Armin Tanzirian know that his uh, construction outfit, the Valdezzo Brothers Olive Oil, can help. And without any warning, the construction has already begun. It's true. And after a plethora of ramps are quickly added to the school, Skinner makes a little speech. This is a proud day. Now, when people ask if we're in compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1975, I can say we are closer than ever before. Thank you. To inaugurate our ramp system, here's the first of what I hope will be many disabled students, Bart Simpson. What the? Bart, where's your wheelchair? Don't need it anymore. Doctor says my butt bone's stronger than ever. The ramps all fall to pieces as they're made of breadsticks, paint, and shellac, which uh, costs the school 200,000 big ones, Steve. Wow. Well, uh, Tamsarian pays off the mob. But doing so, Springfield Elementary is closed forever. Yay! The kids are excited. Yay! I, I wanted to make sure if you look in that clip, in that clip, I was like, I was making sure Lisa wasn't there because she would, of course, be devastated. She wasn't. But I swear mm-hmm. you could hear Yardley's voice. Yeah, they probably just rounded up a bunch of kids yeah. or a bunch of. <laughs> you mean the- Kid voices. The three people that do the kids' voices. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, like I said, they cheer and the school shut down. And um, at a PTA get together, Skinner examines various options to bring in money to reopen the school. Homer wonders where the refreshments are, and Mo offers selling liquor whilst wearing Wonder Bread bags as shoes. I really enjoyed the Mo and the <laughs> bread bags. Yeah. And well, Homer, you don't that, like my bags. Yeah. And Homer in that scene, too, being stupid was great. Yeah. Also, I like the idea of them being so hurt for money, yet they have, like, a fancy French omelet chef. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, So Marge has the grand idea to plead to Mr. Burns for the money. Skinner adds that they they, uh, make a school play. A school play. Welcome to the world premiere of The Nice Man Giveth. Focus. It's a play, sir. Which one of these is the salt? Too bad I'm an idiot, cause my school closed. Oh well. No, that's the red poison. And freeze. Now, who in Springfield will eat the poisoned broth? Oh, it could be anyone, even Mr. Burns. This play really speaks to me. Woo, 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 woo. I can't take Mr. Burns to the hospital, cause I'm too dumb to read a map. Oh, why did my school have to close? Mm. Hello, I'm Dr. Stupid. I'm going to take out your liver bones. Ah, oops, you're dead. I never liked that Dr. Stupid. Not to give much away, but that's probably my favorite scene in this entire episode. It's all so good. I, I love the fact that Bart and Nelson, like, want the school open so they're a part of this play. Like, why would they want to be, you know? I think they just love the craft of acting. Right. And I just love how Mr. Burns is, like, dumb. <laughs> yeah. And he's so engrossed in it, too. <laughs> this is a... Uh... And, yeah, Bart saying hot middle is really great. I wonder if that was an ad-lib or that was in the script. I want to believe it's an ad-lib, but either way, it's great. Yeah. 
And of course, you know, Dr. Stupid. I mean, just with, with Ralph saying that line is great. And then of course, liver bones. <laughs> yeah. And then like Mr. Brains being like, I never liked that. Dr. <laughs> As Stupid. if he knew who he was. Great uh. scene all and all. So Skinner explains that the plu was the plu. <laughs> Skinner explains that the play was actually a ruse for money. And Mr. Burns then opens the trap door, which defies the laws of physics. Frustrating the old billionaire. We then cut to Bart and Lisa watching the best or maybe worst daytime TV has to offer. Donde esta justice, a Spanish language courtroom reality show featuring Bilbleby Man. Uh, Bart changes the channel and the children learn some news about the fate of their school. Hey, our school's on TV. Springfield Elementary has reopened its doors. <gasps> I'm with Jim Hope of Kid First Industries, which has generously stepped in to educate our children. That's right, Kent. You know, when public schools drop the ball, it's up to the private sector to fall on that fumble and run for the end zone. Will you be replacing the current teachers and administrators? Very much so, Kent. But they've already received an extremely generous severance package. Valencia? <laughs> These are juice oranges. And that was a uh, former Susan Sarandon sex haver with Tim Robbins. From TV's Castle Rock Season 2. Yes. Exclusively and on Hulu. TV's Barton Fink. And TV's Shawshank Redemption. He played a Shawshank. Yes. Redempt. Tim Robbins been in many things. Mr. Hope then tries to relate to the children, eschewing the boring tradition of learning facts and dates, instead learning uh, what the children are passionate about such as boogers. He's there to make the children get a kick out of education. Back at home, Bard is breaking books at a sixth grade level. His homework for the evening is to find his favorite toy and bring it to class. It turns out that the new staff is curious about children's toys. Now I want you all to imagine the perfect toy. What would it be like? It should be soft and cuddly. Yeah, with lots of firepower. Its eyes should be telescopes. No, periscopes. No, microscopes. Can you come back to me? It should be full of surprises. It should never stop dancing. It should need accessories. Now that's market research you can take to the bank. The money bank. I just wish those second graders would stop jerking us around. Fun toys are fun. Well said, Ralph. But we're trying to come up with a name for a toy. Mrs. Fun? Not bad. Fun? Ralph, there are no right or wrong answers, but if you don't pipe down, I'm giving you an F. The before teacher yelled at me, too. No one's yelling. We're just brainstorming names. Lisa, any ideas? Oh, a uh, name with fun? Um, fungus? Funzo? Attila the fun? Lisa, are you doing math? Uh, just a few Venn diagrams. There's more under her chair. That was a really fun clip. Uh, There's a lot going on in that clip. Yeah. Um, I loved, uh, <laughs> that's uh, money you could take to the bank. The money bank. <laughs> that was really good. Also, the kind of hippy-dippy-looking teacher being like, there's no wrong answers. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, Ralph is um, on, a, he's on a mad tear of quotes on this episode, I think. Yeah, he could be superstar of the show. Ooh, were we supposed to have, like, MVP of the shows? Was that something yeah. we, we, we were going to think about doing? M MVJ, Most Valuable Adventure. Right, MVJ. We haven't really uh, done that yet. That was, like, five podcasts ago. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, we'll come up with the MVJ. So, yep. Uh, I love Lindsay Nagel back on this episode. Always good to right. see her. Probably the sexiest um, woman in Springfield. That's one person's take. Yeah. I mean, I know you're into uh, Lamb of God, Steve, but... Uh, oh, Lamb yeah. of God, that means Agnes. You know that, right? I know that. And yeah. Believe uh, me, I know. If you want an Agnes Lamb of God shirt, you just got to go to uh, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys and get your Agnes Lamb of God shirt. Or if you're one of those basic people, you can just get your own 
138 Simpsons podcast shirt, a mug, pillow, pin, or or pillow. All right. Uh, yes. So where are we at here, Steve? Oh, so Lisa's doing math, as we heard, and it leads her to writing, I will not do math in class on the chalkboard, a la Bart Simpson, how he does that. If, mm-hmm. if you ever notice, he does that in every episode. No, not every episode, but a lot of episodes. Oh, yeah. Most episodes, um, yeah. So what happens is to walk by to reveal the ironing of the situation, Lisa is suspicious of what is going on. Don't you think there's something weird going on here? We spent all day selecting fabric swatches, and then our guest speaker was Phil from marketing. All I know is I'm getting straight A's, and that ain't not bad. <laughs> That's not funny! <laughs> that ain't not bad. So as uh, Bart I feel leaves, like sorry, I feel from... like that ain't oh. not bad needs to be in our everyday vocabulary. Yeah. That ain't not bad. <laughs> it's like, honey, I'm pregnant. That ain't not, well, that ain't not bad. <laughs> All right. So as Bart leaves, uh, turning off the lights in the classroom, Lisa notices a light shining from the chalkboard. She peers in, goes to the next door uh, broom closet, and learns that Kid First Enterprises is spying on students. Just then, she's confronted by a mechanical being. They're spying on us. Why would they do that? I see you. (gasps) Give me a hug. Lisa calls for the assistance of Police Chief Wiggum as she leads the officer and her parents into the cursed broom closet. But all is calm. All is bright. All is bright. This is a Christmas episode after all. Well, not yet. This broom closet is not what it seems. It's a secret surveillance room guarded by a tiny evil robot. Ugh, is this going to be like one of those horror movies where we open the door and everything's normal and we think you're crazy, but then there really is a killer robot and the next morning you find me impaled on a weather vane? Is that what this is, Lisa? To be fair, not all evil robots are killers. Listen, when you see what's inside, this... <gasps> I don't understand. I could swear it was right here. Yeah, right, Mop Top, and I'm Ed Sullivan. <clears throat> really big shoe. No, no, I can do it better. Really big shoe. Really big. Um, I love Homer's description of, like, every horror movie with that sort of scenario mm-hmm. comes to place. I also love uh, Marge's justification that not all evil robots, no, robots. are killers. Robots are killers. <laughs> so she acknowledges that robots can be evil, but that does not inherently make them killers. <laughs> right. They'll just like ruin your credit score or something. <laughs> and again, she says robots and not robots. I love that. <laughs> and uh, uh, the last part, Wiggum. Yeah. And does anyone know who Ed Sullivan is? <laughs> He's that, that red-headed kid who sings, and he's got the, like, wonky eyes, right? Ed Sheeran. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Okay. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out what you were trying to do. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Ed Sullivan was the most weird, awkward-looking dude and had a TV show for some reason and had no personality. <laughs> it's like Jimmy Fallon, but then. They were both alcoholics with no personality. <laughs> um, after watching Krusty's non-denominational uh, holiday fun feature, Featuring Tay Leone, uh, Beck, the Dixie Chicks, this is in 1999, <laughs> um, and Patrick Ewing as the genie, in which Krusty wishes everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Quasi Kwanzaa, a Tip Top Tet, and a solemn, dignified Ramadan, the children discover a familiar figure. Now a word from my god, our sponsor. I see. Give me a hug. Huh? That's 
the doll that attacked me. This Christmas, everybody wants Funzo. Funzo? I said that name in class. Funzo's soft and cuddly. With lots of firepower. Ha-ha! Funzo! 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 If you don't have Funzo, you're nothing. Mom, I know what I want for Christmas! Bart, they lied to us. Instead of giving us an education, they tricked us into designing a toy. Aren't you outraged? No, but if you're gonna throw a spaz, I'll come with. Good. Saddle up the bikes. So Bart and Lisa then head to the Kid First Industries secret headquarters, which I really love that it was a giant building that had the neon signs that secret headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> um, where they discover that the security guard there might be a familiar face, Steve. Hey, it's Gary Coleman. But the menu said galaxy of prawns. Three prawns are hardly a galaxy. What do you mean your hands are tied? Let me talk to Mr. Kwan. I want to see how this turns out. The phone's not even plugged in. All right, you listen to me, Quan. Hang on, I got another call. Yes, Mr. President, I can be in Washington right away. Oh, boy. For celebrity cameo appearances <laughs> or doing voices, I think this episode, Gary Coleman, like, definitely... The lines they gave him and, like, just let him... The self-deprecating humor. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Galaxy of, of Prawns. <laughs> I have never not gotten Chinese food with shrimp and not said that before. And nobody gets it, but I'm just like, you call this a Galaxy of Prawns? <laughs> And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And how's that not a band name, Galaxy of Prawns? Yeah. Actually, to be honest, I for no. a long time thought it was a Curb Your Enthusiasm quote. Oh, really? Because there's an episode where he eats... Yes. I, he eats somebody else's shrimp, and so I conflated it. But good old Simpsons, they have a credit. Because I just like the idea of being like, that's not a galaxy. I think that, yeah, that shrimp episode, I think it's like a season one episode of Curb. You might be yeah. right curve anyway that was just a clip is solid gold. yeah it's great to great to hear gary coleman's voice for uh one more time because mm-hmm. he did he did there's two dead celebrity references in this episode well one with gary coleman and uh robin williams so oh, yeah? dead people in this episode as it's taping no but tim robbins <laughs> watch your back so then the children confront the toy makers including uh lindsey nagel as we talked about before, and she offers a little retort. Lisa, I know you're mad, but just for a damn minute, try to see this from a product positioning standpoint. Do you have any idea how much pressure we're under to come up with the new Furby or Tickle Me Elmo? And thanks to you, Funzo is the first doll designed by children for children with all the profits going to children. Really? Yeah, well, we're all somebody's children. But hey, we did screw you a little, so here's a free Funzo. Deal! (laughs) brother. I really love Lindsay Nagel <laughs> saying just for a damn minute. Yeah. And then like children. That's not how you talk to children. <laughs> and then uh Tim Robbins being like, Well, we're all somebody's <laughs> children, so yeah, give me that money. Great scene. Yeah, and also uh Lindsay being like, Well, we screwed you a little. <laughs> Here's a free fun zone. Ah, so yeah. we never talk about it. yeah, they mentioned like Furby and stuff like that. So this was out of our we were at the not the age where this was our toys. So I just I remember Furby being a big big deal. But again I remember my parents bought one for themselves. What? Yeah. That's weird. For Christmas. Or maybe even before Christmas. They lo- they thought the idea of it was so cool. 
and they wanted to teach it. Basically, they wanted a cat, but they didn't want to clean a litter box, I think. <laughs> or a better child. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, they had me, which, yeah. you know, they could have done better. Oh, I agree. But yeah, so they got that. They also were really into, this is a deep cut that maybe nobody knows, this purple gorilla that you got on your computer that would talk to you and steal all of your information. <laughs> I don't remember this. Ah, God, I don't even remember what it's called, but it was like, almost like a screensaver, but not. Mm. I mean... It kind of sounds familiar, but but no. Alrighty. Uh, so as Bart explores the various products of the Funzo catalog, including Funzo's Dream Fortress, Funzo's Lower Back Pain Chair, and Funzo's European Voltage Converter, why not get three? The children learn it's always a party with Funzo, unless of course the uh, other toys are in the mix. Uh, much like Microsoft, the Funzo toy is to out to destroy the competition. And this features uh, one of my favorite visual gags. Uh, the Microsoft joke's not really timely anymore. I mean, they have Xbox. Yeah, but when you think of, like, computers now, you, I think everyone kind of thinks of Mapple. Oh, yeah, so when Funzo decapitates Malibu, Stacy, and Krusty, and he mm-hmm. puts their heads on pencils. I like how Krusty's head there looks like yep, he was deca- decapitated. Yeah, he looks like he, he's been through something. Something bad. Uh, the kids then head to the try-and-save to boycott Funzo, but as is to be expected from the Springfield residents, their desire for the latest craze leads to a mob riot. Fear not, though, Steve. Oh? Bart Simpson has a plan. Well, I guess that's it. Come Christmas Eve, there'll be a Funzo under every tree. Unless... So who am I beating up? Nobody. You're just gonna break into everyone's house and steal their favorite toy. Thus saving Christmas. Now let's see, this'll make three Christmases I saved versus eight I ruined. Two were kind of a draw. Dad, Dad, you're driving on the sidewalk! Sorry! Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let Earth receive her king! Like how Homer starts off like, so who am I beating up? (laughs) I just love his willingness to help out. But like that never came into the conversation. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to help out. I should punch somebody. It's probably like, we saw this, we didn't see the scene before, but it was uh, Bart and Lisa like, dad, we need your help. Okay, who do I have to beat up? But I love how their plan is to rob houses. Yeah. Commit crime. And wouldn't everybody notice that the toy that they bought is gone? <laughs> right. Eh, whatever. It's a cartoon. It is? Oh, sorry, Craig. Oh, well, okay. They stopped making a documentary around <laughs> season seven. Uh, so as Bart and Lisa uh, offer sweet Chris- Christmas carols, Homer busts through the townspeople's homes to take the cursed toy. The family take their haul to the Springfield Tire Fire where the evil playthings will meet their fiery death. Homer flings a bag of Funzos into the flames and is met with the vertical-impaired ire of Gary Coleman. Well, what do we have here? Looks like the biggest ripoff since Webster. Oh, please, Mr. Coleman, we can explain. I'm listening. Your toy company is evil. Well, isn't it possible for an evil company to make people happy? Are you saying the end justifies the means? That's a very glib interpretation. Hey, don't talk to my sister that way. No, Bart, he's right. I did oversimplify. Perhaps, but let's not get bogged down in semantics. I think what Lisa meant to say is... And so, Gary Coleman and the Simpsons argued long into the night. And then, as day broke, the spirit of the season entered their hearts. 
Let's just agree that the commercialization of Christmas is at best a mixed blessing. Amen. I'm enjoying Gary Coleman coming back in this episode. Yeah. And having them just doing this semantics of uh, <laughs> Christmas. And then who is the who is the voice voiceover? That was Clarence Clemens. That is, of course, Clarence Clemens from the E Street Band of Bruce Springsteen's said oh man. yes uh, also known as the big man and since this is christmas episode one of the most popular christmas songs is bruce springsteen doing santa claus is coming to town and he references clarence did did he get that saxophone from santa or not we don't know hmm. uh by the way he's dead so this is the third dead person <laughs> from this episode clarence right. has died a few years ago yeah 2011 yep. i believe so hey there's our trifecta of death you're safe this time robbins if he dies next week <laughs> i feel so bad <laughs> So, just then, a melted Funzo, much like a T-1000 or T-800, <laughs> emerges from the burning wreckage, only to be pummeled by the former child star himself, Webster. I mean, <laughs> facts of life, Gary Coleman. That's right. As the Simpsons realize Christmas is upon them, they invite Mr. Coleman to their holiday dinner. Turns out that everything's going to be okay in Springfield. Um, uh, Mr. Coleman, I've been thinking, uh... My wife always makes too much stuffing and sweet potatoes and all, and all heck. Would you like to spend Christmas with us? No way. I'm having Christmas at George Clooney's house. Gary. All right, I'll come. And Gary Coleman was as good as his word. As for old Mr. Burns, he was visited by three ghosts during the night and agreed to fund the school with some money he found in his tuxedo pants. Thank you, thank you, humbug. While Moe, seeing what the world would be like if he had never been born, pulled his head out of the oven and replaced it with a plump Christmas goose. Yeah, happy holidays, dear. Merry Christmas, Moe! Uh, listen, I kind of banged up that Jeep in a driveway. What you talking about, Mo? <laughs> what you talking about, everyone? What a great way to close the episode, right? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the clip, I love uh, Homer being like, "Hey, uh, Mister," uh... right? They're all humble. Like, I yeah. don't know if I want to. Oh, shucks. I'm Marge's gonna make too many and... taters. I love, you know, just like the wrapping up of the episode with Burns finding being visited by three three ghosts but only you know just finding some money in his tuxedo pants and I love 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 the image of Mo with his head in the oven TV show love <laughs> with the sign no funeral yeah and then mm-hmm. realizing that life without him would be sad so he replaced his head with a turkey right at the end like great Simpsons joke with oh let's throw in uh, here's what you missed we didn't do the parody of a Christmas Carol, and we didn't do a parody of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> it's it's the law. We have to bring them up. But, uh, alright, well, well, I guess we'll talk about it after we come back. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, because I, I think I know where you're going with that. Alright. your thoughts? Yeah, let's do that. We'll come back with some of our uh, air quotes and tattoo or t-shirts ideas, mm-hmm. MVJ, and some reviews. So, sounds like uh, a plan. We'll be right back. And 
we're back. Steve, let's finish up this week's episodes with our usual reviews and quotes and trivias and uh, shirt twos or tat shirts. Shirt twos. <laughs> tat shirts. or shirt twos. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, let's, like we like to do with the fun, Steve, let's do our, uh, let's do our shirts or tattoo ideas from this episode. And I th- think we have kind of the same idea, maybe. Yeah, there are two that I really love. Um, I love the Funzo uh, with the heads of Malibu Stacy and Krusty on spear or yeah. on pencil spears. Um, that's really up there. But I have to say that my T-shirt and maybe even my tattoo uh, would be Mo with his head of the oven uh, reading No Funeral. I was going to agree with you on this one because that was my choice as well for a shirt. Because I'm looking at this image, the screen cap, and like this is pretty easy. I can cut out the the oven and Mo getting rid of the floor and the table uh-huh. and everything in the background and just having that image and putting it out on a shirt I think that would look good yeah I think so and very sad we should only release mm-hmm. it in like a black shirt maybe drop <laughs> I, I, you know, I would probably actually drop the colors to make it like a duotone or just uh, monochrome just black and white yeah make it extra bleak yeah hmm might have to think about that but of course we want to know what yeah. you guys think what, what would your shirt design from this episode be or tattoo but yeah I think that would be a Anything with Mo, I think. Even with his Wonder Bread slippers. That's pretty good, too. have that. But I like your Funzo idea. Well, because this is a, technically a Christmas episode, so maybe make it a Christmas shirt, too. So, you know, put some uh, Christmas decorations in the background. Yeah, maybe some holly, like, around yeah. the, the picture. <laughs> I guess, uh, like, a fart contender. A fart contender? Would be, uh, I swear you said fart contender. It's <laughs> gas. No, a, a third-place contender. Would be uh, Barton Milhouse jumping on the bed in drag. Uh, mostly Milhouse, because I like that he took the time to put on rouge <laughs> on his cheeks. Like, he didn't need to do that. No. It's also interesting because his clothes fit him. Even the shoes are the right size for a 10-year-old boy. Maybe Marge just has dainty feet. It's true, maybe. So, favorite quotes from this episode. I Ooh. There is a lot. Even It's I'm true. Just thinking on the top of my head real quick. Before we get to the one that I actually use, my favorite, Lindsay Nagel saying, just uh, wait a damn minute. Gary Coleman had a lot of great quotes in this. Uh, yeah. R- Ralph Wiggum, um, hello, I'm Dr. Stupid. I'm going to take out your liver bones. Mm-hmm. And even Mr. Burns being like, I never yeah. liked Dr. Stupid. I'm sure you have a, a list, but uh, well, mine goes back Go to the beginning of the episode. And it's, it's a funny bite of reality where kids just don't understand. And it's the beginning when Bart is telling Melhouse that he's bored. And then oh, Millhouse yes. says, wait until we're teenagers, then we'll be happy, which is so bleak. That just uh, just resonates with me because I think we all we all felt that when we were kids wanting to be older, mm-hmm. realizing when we are teenagers, it sucks. Yeah, and being 9 or 10 is the best time of your life. Right. You don't get uh, – you don't have to worry about a job, bills, food. You just play, play with your toys, eat your pizza. Yeah. Food, maybe masturbate. Food is presented to you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so – that's my favorite quote, Steve. How about you? Oh, boy. Uh, there are a lot of quotes that I love from the beginning with the male nurse looking at Bart's ass and being like, <laughs> oh, he should work out more, to the whole scene with Burns and the play and him being like, oh, I never liked that Dr. Stupid, to Bart saying the ironing is delicious. But I have to go with the quote that I use most often in my everyday life, and it's Gary Coleman. What is this, Three Prawns? Three Prawns <laughs> is not a galaxy. It might not be the funniest quote, but it's my personal favorite quote. 
because it's it's what gets me through life because it makes you want to ask for more out of life because he's right three prawns is not a galaxy so if the world presents you with three prawns you demand more damn it yeah i didn't really bring it up but in the episode when you talked about that originally and i feel like shrimp aka prawns at any Mm -hmm. establishment you don't get enough for what you pay for when you could just go to the store and buy a pound for like six dollars and that same pound you'd have to pay like thirty dollars for at a restaurant yeah and just cook it up yourself all you need is some butter and some garlic and you're good yeah are you are you are you a fried prawns or do you like do you like fried shrimp i do like fried shrimp although sometimes like at chinese restaurants there's too much tempura batter right and it gives like it hurts my tummy yeah i don't like a heavily breaded fish or prawn like if the the breading is a light breading i'm good Mm -hmm. i don't like overly breaded where it's like oh there's barely any fish meat in here it's just all yeah tempura when speaking of fish and chips i know it's not traditional but I really enjoy that kind of more pinky, like crumb, crummy breading. I agree. That has a bit more crisp to it. Yep. Um, I know it may not be how they do it in jolly old England, but it's what my mouth likes. Yeah. And I know you're a fan of just dipping your fish straight into ketchup. That's your favorite thing. Uh, I love ketchup. But yeah. Um. All right. So those are our quotes. How about um, we get on to some reviews? Yeah. Let's see. What people say about uh, this show. Simpsons, right? Yes. Not OJ. So the Simpsons tend to do holiday-themed episodes well. So it was a surprise to me that this one was a bit underwhelming. It starts slowly and despite being better as it goes along, lacks any really big laughs or moments. I've been largely impressed with the 11th series of the show so far, but this is not one of the better episodes. And that was, of course, from Studio AT, posted July 22nd, 2017. A festival dud, as he reviewed it, with 3 out of 10 stars. Wow. Interesting festival. (laughs) Interesting festival. That's what I say at Coachella. (laughs) Uh, How about this one? From I underscore M underscore the underscore Ty... Larus from hmm. December 10th, 2006. Episode or the subject title is Worst Simpsons Holiday Episode Ever, comma, Average Overall. Hmm. Spoilers. I'm commenting on the holiday titles. I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm just saying it. Anyways, as you know, season 11 of The Simpsons was the worst season with sloppy writing. This, <laughs> however, is definitely one of the best of the season. As you can see, one of the best that the season is still very average. Still, this episode has Gary Coleman, which is a bonus. Okay. None of these reviews are going to go. Let's just, should we just do our reviews? Yeah, let's just do our reviews. So, it was a fun episode from intro to outro, uh, from opening credits to end credits. Um, it may not have the emotional resonance of, say, Simpsons roasting on the open fire or uh, Be Not Proud or the one where... Marge Be Not from... Proud. Yeah. yeah. That being said, I'm thinking of classic episode Christmas episodes. And then there's the one where Bart burns shit down. Uh, I like this one more than that. It's just a fun, funny episode. It's a little weird with Gary Coleman, but they give him so many good lines. Uh, There's never really a lull in the episode. It's just making notes for this episode was hard because when I was pulling sound or when I was picking sound clips, I just wanted to have all of them. And it was hard for me to like know when to stop the quote because the jokes were just there. So I don't know if you know this, Craig, but your uh, average size Funzo takes 6D batteries. And I gotta say, I'm packing in six batteries. Does that mean you're giving it a six out of six? I think I am. Oh, wow. This is yeah. your highest rated episode. Does it mean I know. the number one episode that you've reviewed from this podcast? Could be. Wow. They ended the century on a bang. 
this one I, I definitely remember a lot of because it, it's season 11. So I've had the DVDs for a while in syndication. So seeing this one a lot and especially the Funzo and the Gary Coleman stuff, I vividly remember. And reviewing it, I forgot about that beginning part with Millhouse's line, which is my favorite line. And again, loving that line. For a Christmas episode, and you said it before, like Marge not be proud and and then you know Simpsons roasting on open fire. I didn't get to a Christmassy feels until literally the third act. Yeah, right? I get that. Yeah, and so that first part could have been any time through the year. And when I'm on a Christmas episode, I want a Christmas episode. I don't need to be shoehorned in at the, at the end. But I did like how they. I think that was the intent of it was to shoehorn in Christmas, mm-hmm. which is what I think the joke of the episode is because it's all about commercialism, and that's what this episode is about. Right. And it's kind of funny that we're coming on the strings of watching this on Disney Plus, which is all about <laughs> commercialism, and it's, everyone's all like freaking out because we don't have a Baby Yoda for for the holidays. <laughs> And, like, I think Baby Yoda is now the new Funzo. You're right. So I think uh, you gave it six out of six of the batteries. I'm going to just, um, it's Christmas, Steve. There's 25 days until Christmas in December. So I'm going to break it off 25. Okay. And we'll go with, um, I'll give it a, a, a 22 out of 25. I do enjoy the episode. That's a perfectly cromulent score. No, it's uh, very fair. And you're not wrong. It does lack any real sentimentality or christmas warmth which i think again like i said i think that's the point of the episode as well because christmas is all about commercialism so there you go mm-hmm. yeah well that well, was fun yeah those are our reviews but fans what did you think yeah go ahead and tweet us at one three simpsons on twitter instagram facebook and um i thought uh steve we haven't pitched an episode in a while it's been quite a while i think we should pitch an episode usually we spin the wheel for characters and things like that i thought let's just i'm just going out with the since this is christmas steve pitch a simpsons christmas episode that's our that's our task Okay, so any characters, whatever you want. Whatever you want, just pitch a Simpsons Christmas. All right, let me think about this. All right, here we go. So we have Nelson Muntz. Heard of him. And his mom's a stripper. His dad's MIA. And he really wants, not a shotgun, because that'd be predictable, but he really wants an easy bake oven for Christmas. Because it turns out that he has a hidden talent for cooking, especially pastries. And he watches Nailed It (laughs) on TV, especially Holiday Nailed It. And so we'll have special guest star Nicole Byer, even though she's already been a guest star. She'll play herself. And that weird French guy with the baby teeth, he can be on there too. So seeing that she's not going to have the Christmas that he wants because his mom is a drunk stripper, Marge feels pity on him and buys him an easy-bake oven so he is able to cook. And then he submits his pastries to Nailed It, gets on the show Nailed It for Kids, but then fails miserably, and his pastries are, like, awful. So then he's sad again. But then his mom, in the third act, comes in out from the audience, eats his crappy-looking cookie, and says it's the best cookie she's ever had, and they have a lovely Christmas. And that's my episode. I like how it kind of focuses on the Mar befriending the nelson mm-hmm. which uh we've seen a few times sure but uh yeah it's a great stretch so we're not really dealing with i'm assuming like homer and the rest of the family has like some sort of silly b plot maybe yeah there's a b plot where uh homer Drives and bart like... are like trying to cut down a christmas tree there you go <laughs> for the family but this uh darned raccoon keeps on stealing their axe body spray and, yes and so we have kind of like a like Looney Tunes-esque hijinks with them, which they haven't done in a while. 
where it's a bit more physical comedy, a lot of visual gags, of the uh, raccoon outsmarting Homer and Bart. I approve this episode. Great. Craig, what do you got? So, my idea is uh, little bonkers. Okay. I like to do the bonkers here. So, Marge and Homer join a sex cult. I'm on board. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, but really, here's what happens. It's it's something that I don't think would happen, but it's going to change the course of Simpsons history as we know it. And we've done it before on this podcast where we've said, hey, let's do this to you know, like kill a character off and keep them killed off permanently or just do something different. The Simpsons done, of course, before with killing off Maude Flanders and, uh, you know, Krusty's uh, dad, Homer's mom. Mm-hmm. So here's my grand scheme of an episode steve the episode is titled simpsons on a roasting fire part mm. two. Oh, you're gonna kill the dog aren't you i would i wouldn't call lisa a dog but uh, <laughs> i'm cut no i'm not okay here's what happens homer is fired from the Ooh. nuclear power plant for the you know 700th time right mm-hmm. out of a job and it's christmas by the way and he's depressed and you know has to look for a job to help the family but marge intervenes she intervenes and says homer no you've provided a lot for this family i will get a job and she decides to get a job in retail but she still needs more money so they're hiring for Santa, and she thought she could do Santa, but she's a girl and she can't. But then Lisa's like, hey, this is 2020. This is when this episode is going to air. Right. Women, women should be Santa too. And Marge is like, you're darn tootin'. And so she actually does get to become Santa Claus. Much Whoa. like Homer gets to be Santa Claus in the first episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to earn money to to give the Simpsons family a, a great Christmas. Meanwhile, Homer's still trying to get a job and, you know, the idea is that it's going to be a role reversal from the first yeah, episode right. to Marge is trying to provide for her family. Or maybe even Homer's not even fired. Maybe he just is like work, working overtime and still trying and to still help And still not out. making enough money. Right. What I'm trying to do is parallel the very first episode of The Simpsons to, to this and just like kind of modernizing it. Make sure. it a little different. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, Santa's little helper died <laughs> in the beginning of the okay. episode. <laughs> yeah. So she goes to the dog track. <laughs> And she puts money down on a dog, and she actually wins the money. <laughs> and doesn't have to take the dog home. So she goes home, but all of a sudden, she feels really woozy. Oh. And she starts vomiting everywhere. Oh, God. And she goes to the... Homer takes her to Dr. Hibbert, and... She's like in the hospital and she's like, I'm sorry, Homer, I, we couldn't help provide for our kid. Or, you know, like we couldn't get the Christmas we wanted, I, presents you wanted, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then Dr. Hibbert comes out and is like, <laughs> I know it's Christmas Eve, but you get to open your present early. And she's like, what? You're pregnant. Homer can have a line about like, oh, I can't even feed these three kids. <laughs> now I got four kids and no money. I wish I had four monies and no kids. Yeah. So anyways, the idea is... Instead of uh, a new dog, they are welcoming a new child. And what happens after this is the Simpsons age up a year. That's right. Bart will now be 11. Lisa will now be 9. In the third grade, Bart in the fifth grade. Maggie without pacifier and new baby boy. Oh, baby boy. Yep. That seems about right. So there, that's my pitch for the Christmas episode. It's uh, It starts a new Simpsons era. Wow. 
So it's, it's f- vi- four four kids. Yep. Seems controversial, but maybe it's time for a change. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, South Park did it like 20 years ago when they upped the kids from third grade to fourth grade, but that was again 20 years ago. Yeah. So there, there's my controversial Christmas pitch. Is uh, you know, it's gonna be heartfelt. Like Homer's gonna be actually happy that he's. Of gonna course, have, yeah. You know, it's gonna be. You know, I mean, again, this is just my one little tiny pitch, but yeah, there we go. That's my pitch. Is uh, the Simpsons will age up. I like it. All right. All righty. Well, tell us what you guys think at 13 Simpsons on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. And check out our store, tpublic slash user slash annoyed drunk boys. All right, Steve, let's find out where we're watching next week. Let's spin that season wheel. All righty, here we go. We're at season 28. Season 28. Let's grab the episode wheel. Alrighty, and let's give that a spin. We are at episode 12. Episode 12? Steve, we got a little conundrum here. It's uh, The Great Fatsby Part 1. Uh-oh. Part 1, you say? That's right. It's the 12th and 13th episode of the 28th season of the animated series uh, Simpsons. Hmm. Mr. Burns tries to relive his glory days and crosses the path of a mysterious music mogul. Hmm. So after getting conned by him and reduced to bankruptcy, Burns seeks revenge on the music producer with the help of Homer, Bart, rapper Jesse James, and the mogul's ex-wife, Praline. Also, Lisa's courted by the richest child in town, Smithers begins a perilous journey, and Marge opens an, an obscure boutique store. Steve, I'm going to say that this episode, part one, will be next week, and then the following week should be part two. That makes a lot of sense to me. This is the only Simpsons two-part episode, well, minus, let's say, uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns, but all right. So that's what we're going to do, kids. So you got the great fat speech to look forward to on Disney Plus. That's where we're watching these episodes. So go ahead and uh, check those episodes out because this week and next week will be the great fat speech part ones and twos. Very nice. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Uh, obviously based on the famous book, David Copperfield. Yep. And also maybe the show Empire. Um, yeah, I think this episode had, uh, Homer was in Chicago and got attacked and said it was a hate crime, but he lied. (laughs) It's fun to bring up things that are awkward for everybody. (laughs) Just like Christmas. That's right. All right. For this week, I've been a holly jolly annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been a very merry annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Remember, keep watching the skis. For Santa. Smell you later. So have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Quasi Kwanzaa, a tip-top tet, and a solemn, dignified Ramadan. (laughs) 